Church family, my name is Zach. I'm the lead pastor here. So awesome to get to be with you guys. Like Joe said, we are in a teaching series called Recharging. And today, we're going to continue to recharge our spirits in the hope that comes from God's presence and God's promises. I want you to take out your phone for just a moment. Pull out your phone. I want you to look and see what battery percentage are you on? What battery percentage is your phone on? Let's see what I got. I am on looking like 75, okay? 75% is what my battery's at. Maybe yours is higher, maybe yours is lower. One thing that I know, for all of us coming out of 2020 into 2021, we have been through so much. This summer, I had so many of us that I've talked to, it's like my batteries are depleted. Not on my phone, but in my, in my spirit, in my heart, I am tired because we have been working hard navigating all of the challenges and uncertainties and disappointments and trials of the last 18 months. And so this summer, we have wanted to say, hey, while we're recharging physically, I hope you're getting out, getting sun, getting vitamin D, uh, getting recharged like that. While we're recharging physically, we want to recharge spiritually by going to God's promises and letting them recharge our spirit. This week, we are gonna finish out being in Psalm 23, and this week, we are going to finish out our recharging series. So my hope is that we would leave today fully charged, fully charged up. I'm not here today to talk to you about a charger, the dynamics of a charger, how to charge. I'm here to help you because I believe that the Lord wants to recharge you today. I believe the Lord wants to encourage you today. I believe the Lord wants to refresh you today, restore you today. So when someone asks you, what, what's, what's the battery of your spirit? What level charge are you on? You can say a certain percentage, but you, the bigger idea is, hey, I've got more than I had when I came this morning because the Holy Spirit met with me. God wants to meet with you. So if you'll open your Bible to Psalm 23. I'm going to preach a little bit this morning with you. I hope you preach at me while we go through this. We're going to get into God's word, and I am excited. Next week, we are going to begin a new teaching series as we enter into the fall. I think it is a uh, defining teaching series in the life of our church. It's a chapter shift. We're entering into a new chapter as we go into the fall of 2021, so look forward to that. But today, we are recharging Psalm 23. It's where we are, and like we've been doing the last few weeks, we are going to read this together. Are we having some screen issues? Our screen, screens are good. Looks like thumbs up. Maybe any of my contacts adjusted, but I am, I'm trusting that they're good. We're going to read Psalm 23, so it'll be on the screens. You can look on your Bible. You can look on your phone. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Amen and amen. We've been going through this psalm. We've been hearing David, King David, the great king of the Bible, his testimony about who God had been to him, that he had experienced God's shepherding hand, shepherding care on his life, and he's recounting what it is like to have God as his shepherd. The good news for you and me is that when we read this, we don't just read the testimony of a great person long ago, but because of Jesus, we know that God doesn't just want to shepherd King David, but that God wants to shepherd you and me. That it's not just David that had a good shepherd, but because of Jesus, it's you and it's me. When Jesus came, he said, I am the good shepherd. Look in John chapter 10. We'll put that up as well. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. This is so important because when we read Psalm 23, what I want you to read, what I want you to know, the truth I want to touch your heart is that this is your testimony in Christ as well. It's not just David's long ago. It's not just a hero far away, but this is who God wants to be and has been to you and to me, to us as a church. We have a good shepherd. I want you to turn to your neighbor and just tell him that. And don't tell him, you've got a good shepherd. No, I want you to tell with some conviction. We're a church with conviction, with fire in our bones. Turn to your neighbor and just say, you have a good shepherd. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you have a good shepherd. How many of you know it's one thing to say that to someone else in their need. It's another thing for you to say it to yourself in your own needs. So now we're just going to say, I have a good shepherd. Amen and amen. And we're going to just charge into that. We're going to take the, the phones of our hearts and we're just going to plug it into the cord today and let that fill us up. We've been walking through this for three weeks. This is week three. We're going to be looking at the last two verses, verse five and six. But just by way of review, if you were to say, well, why is Jesus such a good shepherd? What have we learned? Well, we've learned that Jesus is a shepherd who provides. The reason that David can give us that testimony that we can say amen to, that the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, is because God provides. Jesus provides. He leads us to green pastures. God has provided for you. Jesus wants to be your provider, and we all need reliable provision. We've seen that we don't lack anything because Jesus restores our life. When we get turned upside down like those sheep that get on their backs and can't get up, which happens to all of us, Jesus doesn't leave us there. He doesn't move on. He comes looking and he turns us right side up. And I'm believing if you came today and you feel turned upside down that you would know the Lord is the one who wants to restore your soul and put you right side up. He's a shepherd who guides. We all need guidance, and he's the one that guides us in right paths for his name's sake. If you need guidance today, you have a good shepherd who wants to be your guide. I got an amen from over here. Preach with me. He is a shepherd who comforts us. 
He's with us in the valley of the shadow of the death, uh, the shadow of death. His rod and his staff are there. His correction and protection are there. His comfort is there. And we all need comfort. It's how we get recharged. Comfort literally means to put strength within you. And he brings that strength into our spirits. Amen. All right. We're going to be in verse five and six as we just continue on. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, what is happening here? What is David talking about? I realize for most of us, we probably didn't grow up in sheep culture. We probably have not spent a lot of time as, uh, it, with sheep. Interestingly enough, last week I had someone after the service say, hey, Random deal, uh, I was in the French Alps recently, that's nice, and I decided to go on like this hike, and I walked up to these shepherds. So I asked if I could spend the night with the shepherds and the sheep just to see what this would be like. And they told me about their experience. I was like, well, that's amazing. That's probably not your or my experience living in Dallas, right? Not a ton of time with sheep. So what is David talking about? Well, he's been walking through how a shepherd cares for a sheep throughout the year. And he continues with more pictures of what the shepherd, a good shepherd, would do with sheep and what Jesus does with each of us. So let's start with you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. If you'll remember, we talked about that the shepherd was with us in the valley of the shadow of death. Leading into the summer times to get to the higher ground where the temperatures were cooler, where the grass was greener, the shepherd would take the sheep through the valley. They would go through the low places. It was the most reliable way to climb up to the tops of the mountains. And the shepherd would walk with them and water was found in the valley. And now the picture that we see is that they've come through the valley. They have ascended onto the mountain and there is green pasture there. You might have heard the term a mesa, like a flat place on a mountain, right? A table, right? That's what's happened is the shepherd has led the sheep up. Now they're through the valley and there is a table of green pasture there for them to eat. There are enemies there. There are enemies up in the high places, right? But the shepherd is there. And because the shepherd is with them, even in the midst of their enemies, even in the presence of their enemies, that they could eat from the table that was prepared for them by the shepherd, that he's guided them to. We'll come back to why that's so significant for you and for me in just a moment. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Summertime is not only the time where you're up high in the mountains, but summertime is the time of flies. And flies and other gnats and pesky things are attracted to sheep. Sheep don't have the best uh, hands or legs or whatever you call, you know, the things that extend from them. They don't have the best ones of those to ward away the flies, to ward away the gnats. And so when flies would swarm around, they would get into the sheep nose and they would literally drive sheep insane. They would drive them crazy. They would torment them to death. So what would a shepherd do? A shepherd would take anointing oil and would anoint the sheep. 
They would anoint their nostrils, anoint their face so that it acted as a repellent, as a buffer to the pesky flies that would pester them to death. So when he's saying, you anoint my head with oil, he is saying, the good shepherd sees all the pesky flies pestering me to death and you bring healing into those places. You bring a buffer of peace so that I can prosper. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now the picture, the season shifts. They're moving out of the high country. They're returning to the shepherd's field, the shepherd's home. And now the sheep is talking about the shepherd leading them on as they look to the future. An uncertain future for all of us as we look to the uncertain future. The sheep knows because of the shepherd that they can say that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I want you to imagine two sheepdogs following after the herd of the sheep, leading them home, goodness and mercy, guiding them in to the house of the Lord or the house of the shepherd forever and ever. Amazing pictures are painted here of the good shepherd with the sheep. Let's connect them to your life and mine. How does this translate or how does this relate to Jesus? What are we talking about here? Well, I want to share a story from my life that I wonder if you can relate to. Ever since I have been a child, uh, I have just had a propensity to notice the flaws in things, to notice the things that don't go my way, to, to focus on the things that aren't right. I remember as a young kid, my mom pulling me aside, I have a vivid memory in a restaurant of her being like, buddy. You have got to chill out and learn to go with the flow. You can't be upset about everything. And now with my 13-year-old here on the front row, I'm saying the same thing to my kids, right? That, that we have to not just focus on what I call the enemies in our lives, what I call the annoyances in our lives, what I call the anxieties in our lives. We have to not just get bent out of shape by them all the time, right? You have to learn how to do that. Well, the way that I figured, okay, how am I going to navigate these enemies in my life, these things that are coming against me? How am I going to navigate these annoyances, these things that frustrate me? How am I going to navigate my future and my anxiety over what's to come? I would look for different things, and I would attach to them and be like, okay, you know what? I bet when I go into seventh grade, that that's going to be like the pinnacle and all these problems that I have are going to go away and seventh grade is going to be the solution. Or if I just get into incredible shape, man, that is going to solve all my problems and I'm not going to have these annoying enemies, these annoying anxieties, these annoying just flies pestering me. Get a little older and it's like, okay, if I can do well in sports or I can do well in school or I can get into this school or get this major or be in this relationship or this fraternity, uh, those type of things, this job, this bank account, all of those things, I would just look to and be like, man, if I can just get there, then all my enemies, all my annoyances, all my anxieties are going to go away. And what I found was as good as new seasons might be, as good as relationships might be, as good as colleges and careers might be, those enemies, those annoyances, and those anxieties remained. 
I would look to put my hope in all sorts of things. If I can just get here, then it will be fine. And what I found was I would get there, but it wouldn't meet the deeper need that I had. How many of you can relate to that? And if you're here today and you're trying to just figure out, maybe you're making your way back to God. Maybe you grew up in church, but it's been a long time and you're trying to make your way back or you're trying to make your way back after COVID or whatever it may be. Here's what I want you to see as you're thinking about Jesus. One of the things that surprised me about deciding to follow him was in the area of hope. It was unanticipated for me because what I found in Jesus was a hope that wasn't dependent on the next grade, the next paycheck, the next relationship, the next achievement. All those things would, could be great, but they didn't meet my deeper need. But what I found in him was a hope that extended beyond my circumstances. It was a lasting hope. It was a hope that was present with my enemies still there. It was a hope that was present even with my annoyances still in my life. It was a hope that was present even with my anxiety about the future, that Jesus was a hope, or to use the language of the psalm, that Jesus was a shepherd that was present with me, with my enemies all around. But because he was there, I could actually, for the first time in my life, see the table that had been prepared for me, see the good things, even though my enemies were right there. That was a big shift for me. Because Jesus was there, I would experience peace even in the midst of annoyances. And I'd find myself just getting pestered by things, but I would come to him and even, even this week coming to him and being like, Lord, I need that anointing oil of your presence. And I would find him there. Or maybe a better way to say it is he would find me there. When I thought about the future and all the anxieties that we face, what I found was a future with Jesus was a future that I could have trust in and not be overcome by my anxieties about what was to come. And so when we look at this passage of scripture, when, when David is describing in the presence of my, or uh, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, right? It was that hope that I could see a table, that you and I can see a table, that even in the midst of our enemies being there, that God is providing for us. How many of you know in this life our enemies are never gonna go away? Maybe one goes away, a new one's gonna come. Our annoyances, our flies are never going to go away. We, we had a bunch of flies in our house. My wife is an expert fly killer. If you need someone to bring a dish towel and come and just, I mean, don't ever mess with her. I think she could be a Marvel action hero with that towel, right? But you kill one fly, and guess what? You leave the door open, another one comes. Annoyances in our life, like they're gonna come and they're gonna go. Anxieties about our future are going to come and they're going to go. But with Jesus, we have a shepherd that in the presence of those flies that pester us, brings us oil, that provides peace and hope in the midst of that. That when we think about the future and all the uncertainties, and there are plenty of uncertainties, one thing that you and I can be certain of is that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life because of Jesus. Let that sink in this morning. Let that sink in. That our future, I don't know what next year holds for you, but I know what the next eternity holds for you. That in Jesus, 
We have a home with the Lord forever. Woo! Now let's lean into this a little bit. If you're a follower of Jesus, this passage gives us a simple way we can recharge. And I know that we all need help with this. Um, Just for information, I thought this was interesting. Uh, A study conducted by the National Science Foundation uh, analyzed human thought and found that 80% of our thoughts are negative in nature. 80%. It says, so on average, you might have 50,000 thoughts in a day. That means 40,000 of them by default are negative in nature, are focused on the enemies, are focused on the annoyances, are focused on the anxieties that you and I all deal with. My family, we have a Mexican food restaurant that we love to go to. It's a little hole in the wall. And we laugh because they love to play 90s music all the time there. And so when we go, that's our generation, the parents, our kids are like, oh man, this is so old. But we go and we're like, man, this is like I'm back in high school. And they'll just play that over, same soundtrack, over and over and over again. If you go on the weekend, if you go during the weekday, they're going to play Tejano music over and over and over again, right? That's the soundtrack they have playing there. If you and I were to imagine the soundtrack in our minds over and over and over and over again, The songs that play over and over in our minds are negative. They're focused on our enemies. They're focused on our annoyances. They're focused on our anxieties. Specifically, 83% surveyed in the last year said that worrying about the future of the United States was a source of significant stress in their lives. Was a source of significant flies pestering us, worrying about what is to come. Think back to this year, you might have gotten like an Apple News article or something across your social media feed and you read this and it's like, oh my goodness, this next thing, are we going to be okay? Maybe you've had those conversations. You're in good company. Lots of us have worried about the future. 72% of us believe that this is the lowest point in our country's history that that we will ever be alive to see. Anxiety orders affect anxiety disorders affect one in five U.S. adults. They affect one in four teenagers. So we struggle with anxiety. Seventy-two percent of us rank our finances as a significant, the most significant source of stress in our lives. So if you stress about finances, seventy-two percent of us—that's our stressor. That's our enemy. That's our annoyance. That's our anxiety. This gets even more pronounced for those who are younger. They say that Gen Z, 81% say they have been negatively impacted by all the school disruption of the last year. So much so that 70% said it makes it feel like it's impossible to plan for the future. College students today, if you are in college, 70% say, man, it it just feels impossible to plan the future, right? If you have anxiety about your future, right, this is what we're all carrying. And I don't bring those statistics up to just say, okay, now let's move to the solution. I'm trying to highlight to you these things that we have all been going through, or most of us have been going through. And then what I want to do today is I know that I can't remove the enemies from your life. I can't remove the annoyances from your life. I can't remove the anxieties from your life. 
But what I want us to do today is I want us to turn to our good shepherd with those enemies, in the presence of those annoyances, with a future with anxiety, and encounter him there and let him recharge our spirits. So let's practice this. I love to share with you guys testimonies of heroes of old, great uh, men and women of God, particularly those of other generations, because I feel like they give us a broader perspective. Scripture says that we overcome the trials in our lives by the blood of the lamb, by Jesus, and by the word of the saint's testimony. Right, so when we hear a testimony and we hear how God has moved in someone else's life, it gives us faith to overcome the trials that we're in. So I wanna share a story with you. I've shared it before. I actually intentionally share these stories somewhat on repeat because I want you to be able to carry this with you. I want you to be able to remember it when you go into your enemy, when you go into your annoyance, when you go into your anxiety, I want you to have this story with you. It's about a pair of sisters named Corey and Betsy Tin Boom. They were Dutch Christians who lived in World War II time period, and they helped shelter Jews. Eventually, they were found out, and they were put into a concentration camp. And then they were assigned to the same concentration camp, and they went in, and they see kind of the, the barracks or the prisons that they're going to be staying in, and they said that they had bunk bed upon bunk bed upon bunk bed built out of wood, but they were so close together, you could not sit up in the bed. Instead of mattresses, they had straw. This straw was never cleaned. The bunk beds were stacked floor to ceiling, every floor uh, every in the building, and they would be packed with people. So just imagine the stench of people without proper hygiene, straw that was never cleaned. There's death and disease everywhere. They said just to lay in there, it would be nauseating. It smelled so bad. They said you couldn't sit up in bed, and then you would be assigned to go out and basically work, do hard labor with an uncertain future of what's going to happen to you. So Corey and Betsy described getting in there and as you and I would be just being overwhelmed by where they were. And one of them said to the other, how in the world are we going to make it here? How in the world are we going to survive? And one of them began to pray, God, please help us, show us, show us, Lord. And in that moment, a verse popped into their mind that they had read, that they had studied, and it was from 1 Thessalonians 5. And it said uh, that they were to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I want you to lean in with me for just a moment, because here's where we're going to see the connection to you and me. And so Betsy says to Corey, well, here's, here's a way forward. We need to start giving thanks. We need to thank God. And Corey's like, are you kidding me? We're in a concentration camp. It smells terrible. There are fleas everywhere. I, what do we have to be thankful for, right? And you may be going through things that you feel like, good grief, what do I have to be thankful for? But Betsy is like, well, let's just start that we're together. We got assigned to the same place so that we're in this together. To say, okay, God, thank you that we're together. Let's, let's thank the Lord that we were able to smuggle our Bible in. So we have God's word. Thank you, Lord, that we were able to smuggle our Bible in. And they go through things, but it's reluctant for Corey. And then finally, Betsy is like, let's thank God for these fleas. Now, if you've ever had fleas in your house, I grew up with a dog that had fleas. Fleas are 
maddening. You want to talk about the sheep being pestered to death? Fleas are terrible. Corey's like, there's no way I can thank God for these fleas. Like, you know, there's a limit to everything. And here's my limit. But Betsy's like, no, we're going to thank God for these fleas. Thank you, God, for these fleas. Corey's like, ah, I don't really know about that. Fast forward. Betsy gets sick. And so she's no longer assigned to manual labor on the outside. She's assigned to knitting uh, clothing with a group of women that are too sick to go and work on the inside. Through that experience, she realizes that the guards don't come into their barracks over and over again. They're kind of, no one's bothering them. No one's abusing them. No one's doing uh, things like that from the guards to the women that might've been common in other places. They're left alone. And she realizes she overhears the guards one day say that the reason they won't go in is because of the fleas, that they don't wanna get infested. And Betsy realizes that those fleas, those annoyances that her and Corey had been so torn up by were actually a gift from God to protect them from the abuse of the guards. So she told Corey that, and that opened up their eyes to see, man, even in the midst of my enemies, even in the midst of my annoyances, even in the midst of my anxiety about the future, I have a good shepherd who's with me. That perspective allowed them to navigate the challenges of the Holocaust, not just navigate them, but they were able to minister to so many women in their barracks, and then the Lord used them, used Corey for years and years afterwards to magnify his splendor, to display his splendor to the world and encourage you and me today with what we're going through. So what are we going to do with that? I'd like to lead us, I want you to pull out your phone for just a second or something to write with. And I wanna lead you through a similar thing. I wanna guide you through this together. If we could actually go ahead and get the worship team to come forward. So here's what I want you to do. I want you in your phone or on some notes or, or I want you to engage. I want you to plug in. And I want you to think about what are the enemies in your life right now? What are the annoyances and what are the anxieties? And if you want to debate over well, what's an enemy versus an anxiety, I don't really know, but it's just a general category of these are the things that eat at you, okay? These are the things that when you're going to sleep at night, these are the anxieties, these are what you wake up with, kind of churning over. And I want you to take time to articulate those. There's something powerful in us articulating this is my enemy, this is my anxiety, this is my annoyance. But take a few moments to, if you guys wanna come on up, if you take a few moments to just write those down, type those out, I'm sure we all have something. All right, once you've written some of those down, then I want you to close your eyes and I want you to envision just in your mind the shepherd with you. Whatever your picture of what Jesus looks like, I want you to envision him with you in the presence of your enemies, in the presence of your annoyances, in the presence of your anxieties. Just envision him there for a moment. 
And then as you do, I want you, because he's there, I want you to begin to write out, what's the table that he's prepared before you? What are the gifts that he has in your life? What are the things that even in the presence of your enemies that you can see God's hand of provision on your life? So powerful what Corey and Betsy did is they recounted, God, here's what we have to be thankful for. I want you, I want you to do that. I want you to write out, even in the midst of your anxieties, what's that anointing oil that he's given you? Even in the midst of your uncertainties about the future, what's that goodness and mercy that you can count on? Just take time to write that out. As we do this, what we're doing is we are connecting with the Lord. We're opening up our hearts to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is where we move from just a sermon to encountering Jesus together. So write those out, and I want you to reflect on those and let those sit with you. This is an exercise that I do somewhat often that I would encourage you to take with you today. That you could take with you into Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, the next time that these things flare up and you have a place to go to meet with your shepherd. God wants to meet with you there and give you hope. So as the worship team just plays softly, I'm gonna give you a, a, a little bit of time right now just to reflect on this and let the Lord meet with you. Let the Lord encourage you. perspective on the table and the blessings that God has given us in a fresh way. Our enemies may never go away in this life, but because our shepherd is with us, we know there's a table before us. Right now, I just see the Lord, the shepherd, pouring out the oil of his spirit to buffer you and me against the annoyances that plague our thoughts, the negativity that runs so often. He's ministering to you by his spirit. For everyone anxious about the future, the Lord is lifting anxiety and he's speaking certainty of goodness and mercy, a future home in his house because you have a good shepherd. the Holy Spirit minister to you. season, 
no matter the circumstances, the Lord is your shepherd. And I bless you with that. You will not lack. If you don't have it, either it's on the way or you don't need it or you don't need it right now, but because he is your shepherd, you can say, I have no lack. If you need provision, God wants to provide for you there. Your shepherd wants to provide for you. You need soul-quenching satisfaction. Your shepherd wants to lead you beside still waters. You need guidance. The Spirit of the Lord is your counselor. Are you in the valley? Your shepherd is there with you. Are you in the presence of your enemies? Your shepherd is there too. He's preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Do you need hope today? Your shepherd wants to minister to you the anointing oil of his presence. Do you need a future? Regardless of what the economy does, regardless of what happens in the White House, I want you to know your shepherd is there in the future too, marking your life with goodness and mercy and ready to lead you to your eternal home. No matter the scene, no matter the season, no matter the circumstances, you have a good shepherd. you to stand and transition out of that place of the activity we have been in and we're going to go from that place of letting the Lord shepherd us to worshiping the Lord together. We're going to have our prayer and prophetic team will be available up front. If you are on staff and overseer on that team, I'd love for you to make your way forward. If you're here today and specifically the thing about uh, the annoyances and the anxieties, just feel bombarded with negative thoughts. I want us to pray for you today because the Lord wants to bring the anointing oil of his presence to bring relief from those thoughts. If you've come in today with anxiety about your future, I wanna invite you to come forward in just a moment and let our team prophesy into you his goodness and his mercy over your future. Let's not leave here today not having met with our shepherd. Jesus, thank you that you are the good shepherd. Thank you that because of you, we do not lack, Lord. Thank you that you provide for us. You lead us to green pastures and still waters. You restore our soul. Thank you that you guide us in right paths for your name's sake, that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are there with us, Lord. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us, God. Thank you that you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies so we can have hope. You uh, anoint our heads with oil, our cup overflows, Lord. Thank you that our future is marked by your goodness and mercy and that we will dwell in your house forever and ever, Lord. We bless you today as our good shepherd. As we go before him in worship, if you would like ministry, I'd invite you to come forward.